0: Well, today we're going to talk about friendship, being a friend indeed. What kind of a friend are you? What kind of a friend are you? Do you really have friends? Blackbeard the pirate, whose real name was Captain Teach, roamed the Atlantic Ocean in 19 i mean in 1717 and 1718 and one time he was sitting with his fellow officers around the table in his cabin these were his friends and he just pulled out a pistol and underneath the table he shot one of his friends in the knee why would you do that And he said the reason was he just didn't want his friends to forget who was in charge. Some friend, huh? Well, there's that kind of friend, then there are others. Few of us really realize how important friends can be to our lives. Someone said, we are fortunate if when we come to the end of our lives, we have two or three good friends and i think most of us would agree with that wouldn't we two or three good friends men and women tend to think about to think differently about what a friend is when a woman introduces you to her friend she knows all about her. She knows about her most recent operation. She knows her children's problems. She knows the fact that she struggles with anger. She knows that she enjoys walking in the evening with her husband when her husband would really rather be sitting on the sofa channel surfing. She knows all those things about her friend. When a man introduces his friend He's liable to say, uh, this is, um, what is your first name again? (laughs) Isn't that right? Friends are important, and Paul thanked God for his friends. The book of Philippians is Paul's letter of deep affection to his favorite church, the church at, at Philippi. In the third verse of that book, He says, I thank my God on every remembrance of you. Every time I think about you, I thank God. Now, that's the kind of friend to have. What you and I really want is a friend who, when we think of them, when we think of them, we thank God. And we know that they thank God when they think about us. Wouldn't that be great Want to know that somebody really thinks about us and thanks God that they are our friend? Now, that's, that's the kind of friend to have. Now to our initial text for today's message. Leviticus 25. Actually, we'll be looking at 14 through 17, but first a little background that would start at verse 8. You've read about the year of jubilee. Uh, every fiftieth year was the year of jubilee. The land was returned to its original owners. Families were returned to the old family homestead, the old uh, place where they the that was the family land. Debts were forgiven on that fiftieth year you didn't know anybody anything anymore and those who had been sold into bondage no longer were in bondage they were released and freed and could go back home so the 50th year that's a jubilee i mean that's a that's a big deal jubilee had happened and now beginning on that 14th verse i'm reading from the new international version you can see it on the screen It says, if you sell land to any of your own people or buy land from them, do not take advantage of each other. You are to buy from your own people on the basis of the number of years since the Jubilee, and they are to sell to you on the basis of the number of years left for harvesting crops. When the years are many, you're to increase the price when the years are few. You're to decrease the price because what is really being sold to you is the number of crops. Do not take advantage of each other. Repeated, right? That's that We find things repeated in the scripture because they're important. There it is again. But fear your God. I am the Lord your God. This is God saying this. He says it twice for emphasis. Do not take advantage of each other. In other words, point number one of my message is, real friends don't take advantage of each other. Real friends don't take advantage. Think seriously now. Why do you have the friends you have? Is it for what they can get you? At what advantages they can provide you? Lonnie Alsup was a friend of mine. He was a pretty good friend of mine years ago. Uh, Lonnie has, had died fairly recently, but some of y'all may, know, may have known Lonnie. He owned a chain of convenience stores all over New Mexico and, and in Texas, uh, Alsup's convenience stores, and he had like 400 convenience stores, and he made a lot of money. And one time Lonnie and I were talking, and he said, you know... I really just can't have friends because, he said, everybody wants something from me. Anybody that comes and becomes my friend, it seems like it's because they think they can get something from me because he had a lot of money. What a sad situation. How sad that you can't have friends because people want to take advantage of you. Maybe some people here in the room that, that experience the same thing. A real friend is there when there is no advantage to be gained. It's someone who picks you up in the down times and does not take advantage of the good times. Being a good friend is a choice that you make. You decide whether you're going to be a good friend. Now, there may be opportunities to take advantage, but you make a choice. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be a good friend no matter what. That's the godly thing to do. Wayne Parker was already Randy Johnson's friend. Some of you all may remember uh, a number of, a couple, two or three months ago, I showed a picture of four of us that were getting ready to go to Vietnam, four buddies, and uh there was uh, among the four buddies was these two guys that you see here that's now taking a picture in Vietnam. And uh, Randy Johnson and Wayne and Wayne Parker. I found out decades later that Randy Johnson, who was the littlest guy, he's the guy wearing glasses in this picture, uh, he was the youngest one of our bunch, that his dad approached Wayne Parker, the oldest guy, and asked him to be Randy's particular friend during the time that we were in Vietnam. His da- Randy's dad was concerned for Randy, and he asked Wayne to be his friend. And Wayne told me that he took that very seriously, and he just made a decision, made a choice, to be Randy's good friend during the time when we were in Vietnam. Now, I remember that they were always together, but I didn't know that that had been a particular choice that Wayne had made. And so in this picture, I snapped this picture of these two guys while they were in their little poncho hooch and up near the demilitarized zone. They were cooking some chow there. You could see that can of food. That was the way we lived. Isn't that wonderful? (laughs) And... uh, what happened one of the things that one of the ways that Wayne demonstrated his friendship for Randy one day we were in a uh, in a battle up in the demilitarized zone and Randy had a big old heavy radio on his back and somehow while, with all the shooting going on and everything Randy had gotten on his back like a turtle you know and he couldn't get up and it was a clearing. There was a number of these clearings we had to get across while the enemy was shooting at us. It was sort of like being at the carnival, for, and we were the ducks, yeah. And the enemy was had the rifles. It was almost like that, not exactly. But but uh, Randy had ended up in that clearing on his back, and everybody was trying to get across the clearing with the enemy shooting. And Wayne put himself between the enemy and Randy to help him get up. Now. That's a dedicated friend. He helped Wayne Randy get up and helped him get across the zone. And Wayne took two wounds during the time he was doing that. He got two purple hearts out of that deal because he was being a friend. He took seriously the importance of being a good friend. We're all still friends and we still talk about stuff. Uh, but you couldn't. You couldn't pay Wayne enough to talk about that, about being a friend. He just was. He was a friend indeed. What kind of friend are you, Christian? You know, it's a godly thing to be serious about our friendship. Real friends watch out for each other and never take advantage Of each other. Number two, real friends overlook stupid mistakes. Now that's a kind of a friend to have, isn't it? The Apostle Paul mentioned good things about his friend John Mark even when he was disappointed in him. You may remember that the Apostle Paul went on his second missionary journey and left Mark behind because he was frustrated with him. But when the Apostle Paul wrote his letter to Philemon, he wrote good stuff about him. He only wrote good stuff because he was his friend. He was overlooking stupid mistakes. Real friends take the time to know each other inside and to know whether dumb mistakes Reflect a serious flaw that really a good friend would help them deal with, or just reflect stupid mistakes. If it's a serious problem, we help them work through it, but we help them work through it only at the private, personal level. You don't go blabbing it around. Okay? Christian friend, don't go telling everybody else about the problems of your friend. Keep your mouth shut. Just help your friend. Talk to your friend, though. Do that. I still recall saying a seriously clumsy thing to a friend of mine, and I was a uh, the one I'm thinking about was quite a long time ago, thank goodness. On reflection of it, I felt awful about it. And so I went back to, to my friend and I said, man, I just I feel awful about that thing that I said. Uh, please forgive me. And he said, oh, it's okay, Joe. He said, I know you. I know you didn't mean it the way you said it. It was just Joe being Joe. <laughs> well, I wasn't sure how to take that. But you know, he was my friend. He understood. He was overlooking a stupid mistake. And good friends do that. But at the same time, the way he said it, he was kind of chastising me to make sure that I remembered not to do those clumsy things like that. Good friends help each other in those kinds of times. If your supposed best friend uses your mistakes, As opportunities to make you feel worse, I suggest you think about getting a new best friend if they use it as a way to to make you feel worse. Or are you that kind of friend to someone? Can you overlook stupid mistakes? Or do you get your feelings hurt and rush off in a huff? when they say something to you or do you instantly retaliate when somebody does something that hurts your feelings or are you willing to give it a second look and say maybe they didn't really mean it the way that i took it or do you default to kindness there we are again default to kindness let that be your first reaction kindness so real friends overlook stupid mistakes third The best kind of friends encourage us to fear God. Inherent in the year of Jubilee was the worship of and obedience to God. It was another way of encouraging people to fear Him, to worship and be obedient to God. Our Christian friends should be our very best friends because when things start coming unglued, when things are going wrong, when things are happening that hurt so badly, only a Christian friend understands the depth of the uh, support that Almighty God wants to give us through the Holy Spirit. Somebody who's not a Christian doesn't understand that, but a Christian friend should understand that, oh, God loves you anyway, and God is there to be with you. Let me hold your hand as we walk through this valley with, through the power of the Holy Spirit in your situation, and we'll do this together. The Christian friend, understand, he's the one that can share the deeper Holy Spirit-guided meetings with us. They listen to us, and their response can include encouraging us to look to Christ. By the way, how do we show friendship to Christ? How can we show friendship to Christ? Jesus said, inasmuch as you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it to me. So you show friendship to Christ by being kind to everybody else, by visiting the prisoner, by taking care of the homeless, by doing things. Jesus talked about all those things. You know the list. Do that. And Jesus said, as much as you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, take care of the widows and the orphans. You've done it to me. Show your friendship to the one who loves you the most. Through G- uh, uh, and that way you'll show it to Jesus Christ himself. And fourth, our greatest friend is Jesus. In Proverbs 18, verse 24 Solomon is referring to the Lord when he says, there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. Now that's back in Solomon. That's before Jesus came. But it's a prophetic look at Jesus Christ. A friend who sticks closer than a brother. Have you ever had a time in your life when you were so very very low you were just so low and you just, the 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 idea of going to Christ became like a drink of cold water from a fountain from a fresh spring you were so low but there was Jesus because you already had this relationship with him established and so you were able to go and drink that wonderful water of your friend Jesus Christ and when nobody else seemed to understand nobody else had what it took to give you the comfort You could go to the well of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit and just spend some time talking to him. Oh, God, I hurt so badly, but you're there. Oh, thank you for being there. I don't know what to do, but at least I know I have a friend who knows what to do. (sighs) It's like a deep breath of fresh air, like a drink of cool water. Oh, God, just show me the next step to take. I'm listening. You're my friend. You're my best friend. My best friend is Jesus. Have you ever had a warm, wonderful relationship with your brother? This says, Jesus sticks closer than your brother. My best friend was my brother Adam while I was growing up. He's four years older than I am. Adam and I had a wonderful relationship. He decided that I was going to be his best friend too. And I remember when we lived out in the country in Texas and Papa was going to the seminary and he was pastoring a little church outside Dublin, We did. We, one of our jobs in life was to herd the cow. I don't know how you heard one cow, but that's what we did. We, we had a cow and and uh, we milked the cow at night, but rather than having to buy feed for the cow, we would let it graze along the side of the road and, uh, and sometimes we would sneak it into somebody's pasture, I guess, and let it graze a little bit there. But but we would keep an eye on the cow to keep it from getting lost, and while we were herding the cow, Adam and I would go to the most exotic places in our minds. We did oh it was just wonderful. Adam would make up all these great places and things that we would do. I remember we became there was a comic strip character by the name of Straight Arrow. anybody remember Straight Arrow? We're back, oh, you need to look it up online. Straight arrow was was. Uh, it seems like he was he would be one thing one time, and then he another time he would be a, 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 a an Indian that could shoot the arrows really straight. And but another time he was a gentleman or something. I don't remember. But but we, Adam told me that I could become a Native American uh, if I just took off all my clothes and put on a loincloth And so, and, and I mean, I've always been just milk white. And, and this was during the summertime. And so I did everything Adam said. And I, I took off all my clothes and put on a loincloth with a belt and fried to a crisp. <laughs> but it was okay because Adam told me to do it. And we did all kinds of interesting stuff. We trapped raccoons. We, you know, tried to, we never actually caught one, but and we'd catch catfish down in the creek with our hands and get finned, you know, catfish have sharp fins, but it was okay because Adam was my best friend. One of the things, Adam became a, a, a commercial pilot and flew United Airlines, he ended up retiring from, from the airlines, but, but his whole thing, every, all these adventures we took ended up having something to do with flying. Well, one of the things we did was take a trip to Africa to visit an uncle who was a missionary in Africa. And I don't remember exactly how it happened because I can't remember all the details. I was eight and he was 12. But somehow we crashed in the jungles of Africa on our way over to visit our uncle. And we ended up in a village of cannibals And the cannibals had a ritual of the way they killed the white people. I mean, milk white, like we were. And the way they were going to kill us was they they had a a long pole with a little platform on the end. And they put us on that platform. And then this pole would start swinging. It would start real slow. And it would go a long ways and then it'd go faster and faster and faster and faster. And then when it got to the other end, it would suddenly stop and you would slide off the pole, off the platform, and it would kill you. And then they'd go pick you up and throw you in a pot. But they hadn't counted on Adam still having his pocket knife. And so he cut hand holes and footholds in that platform of bamboo, and we hung on so when it stopped, we didn't fall off. So they started it going the other way. Well, what we did do was we used his pocket knife also to cut some big, broad leaves and some vines and some sticks, and we fashioned a glider. (laughs) So from the other side till we got to the other side, we were able to create a glider to hang on to, so when it stopped suddenly on the other side, we just sailed off. And we ended up going off someplace safe, and uh, we finally ended up in our uncle. I don't, remember, there were so many, but the way, there were so many details to it, but the way Adam would tell it would be, and then we'd, and then we'd, it, and I just couldn't wait for what we'd do next. Adam was my best friend. When Adam was uh, in college, he went to work for, what they called a co-op at New Mexico State University, where he'd go track satellites for like eight or ten months, and then he'd come back to college. And he was tracking satellites in Alaska, and uh, we lived in Gallup at the time. And my brother, my younger brother and sister, and I were playing Monopoly on the on the floor of the living room. And Adam had been Alaska in Alaska for about nine months, and uh, we'd get letters, but uh, uh, weren't sure, you know what when we were going to see him again or anything, and it was like 8.30 or 9 o'clock at night, and all of a sudden, the front door opened, and there stood Adam. And we all just yelled, Adam! Adam! And he just bawled. He cried, and he came in, and we hugged him because Adam was my best friend. This past Thursday, I got a phone call, and it was from Adam, Adam was just calling to see how we were doing, see how Gloria was feeling. Was I enjoying preaching at Hoffman Town? I said, but most of the folks here are pretty good. <laughs> I, I told him I'm loving it. Adam's my best friend. But you know what? I've got a friend that's six closer than even Adam. My friend is Jesus. And do you know, Jesus knows everything about me. And he likes me anyway. (laughs) Isn't that great? I got to thinking the other day that I've probably got about 10 or 12 years left to live. If I die at the normal time. And do you know who I'm going to see? I'm going to see this friend who knows everything about me, and he's going to laugh and say, oh, I know all that stuff. Welcome aboard. I love you just the way you are. That's my friend. And you know what? He's not just my friend. He's yours, too. And he knows all that stuff about you, too. All that nasty stuff that nobody knows, he knows it, and he'll still smile and say, oh, I know all that. But it's all been forgiven because you gave your life to Jesus Christ. He paid the penalty for all that. Jesus loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. We belong to him. You've heard the expression, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. Well, Jesus is the enemy of my worst enemy, Satan. Satan! who would give us pleasure for a season at the cost of our very souls. Satan, who would take the form of beauty, but is filled with the vileness of the universe. Satan, who promises good, but always delivers evil. My best friend is Satan's enemy, and he's already conquered him. In Romans 8:35, Paul lists the difficulties that Satan can use to his advantage. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble, or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? And he could have gone on and on and on and on. He said, no. Goes on to say, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Oh, what a friend Jesus is. Oh, what a friend. Jesus himself said, greater love has no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. Reminds me of my friend Wayne Parker taking care of Randy. But Jesus is more than just talk and more than just one act. Jesus gave his very life As a sacrifice, when he had no sin to pay for, he gave his very life as a sacrifice so you and I could spend eternity with him. Now that's being a friend. He laid down his life for us. Talk is cheap. Jesus actually did it. What a friend we have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to him in prayer. There's that drink of... Fresh water I'm talking about. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. He's only a prayer away. He's right there. Jesus really wants to be your best friend. He stands at the door of your heart asking for you to let him in. John 14, 6, Jesus says, I, meaning your best friend, I, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Your best friend wants you to be with the Father for all eternity, and he wants you not to perish, not to go to hell. He wants you to be with him for all eternity. In a perfect place. Won't you do it? Christian, are you there? Are you glad you're there? Are you happy to be in that wonderful relationship with Jesus Christ? I hope so. Non Christian, if you don't know whether you're Christian or not, then you're not. You need to get that squared away. You talk to Jesus, you invite him to come into your life to forgive your sins, to be your Lord and Master. You give yourself to Him, and then you can be assured of salvation forever because He said, I'll never let you go. Would you bow your heads with me, please? If you've never prayed to receive Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you can do that right now. Would you please pray to receive Christ? He loves you so. Just talk to Him. Just invite him into your life. Just say to him, Jesus, I know I have sinned. The Bible says we all have. Just say, I know you paid the price for my sin by dying on the cross, so I wouldn't have to die and spend eternity in a devil's hell. You paid for me, so now I accept you into my life, and I accept your death as payment for my sin. Come in. And become the Lord of my life. Talk to him right now. Invite Jesus into your life. And then Jesus says, confess me before men and I'll confess you before my father. In just a moment, we're going to have everybody stand. And continue praying for God to work his will and his way in the rest of this service. And I'll invite you to come to the front. And speak to one of our counselors about next steps to be taken. Father, I pray right now that according to your will and your way, that steps will be taken in lives in this room, that you will be the Savior and Lord of everyone when they leave this place. Would you please stand, folks? And as Christians, would you continue to pray? And those who need to make a decision for Christ, do that. Or if you need to come to the front and pray up here in the front of this auditorium as you have a sense of that's where you need to be at this moment. These minutes now are the time for that to happen. We have counselors here at the front, men and women, who are ready to talk to you about the next steps you take in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't let this moment go away without having done business with Him. Give your life to Christ right now, and we can talk to you about next steps to take. Oh, it's such an important time. Don't let it go by without having done business with Christ. Give your life to Christ. Right now is the time. He loves you so. Just give your life to Christ. Oh, how He loves you. He wants to be your best friend. Yes, He does. A friend that sticks closer than a brother friend that'll be there even through the silly mistakes or through the willful disobedience, he'll still be there, giving you encouragement, showing you the way. Let Jesus Christ be the Lord of your life. Give yourself to him right now. Won't you do that? Won't you do that? just a moment I'll lead us in a closing prayer but that doesn't mean the invitation has to be over some of these counselors will remain at the front and if you want to come and talk to one of them privately you can do that that doesn't mean you have to leave the front pray you can do that continue to pray whatever God impresses on your heart you do that according to his will and his purpose in your own life Father in heaven We love you so. Thank you for being our dearest friend. Help us to be godly friends to those around us, to the people in our family, to the people in the workplace, to the people with whom we come in contact. Help us to reflect Jesus Christ in all that we say and do. God, we love you, and we thank you for loving us. In Jesus' precious name, amen.